Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This is Monty Walden. Welcome to part one of my conversation with Daniele Orietti from the Abbia Nova Winery in Lazio. Welcome. Where in Lazio are you, or is the vineyard? It's a little town. So it's the south of Lazio, but north of Frosinone province, near Rome province. And uh, the town is called Piglio, and is the first red uh, DOCG appellation of our region. We obtained it in 2008. We only, we mainly produce wine from this ancient wine group, which is called Cesanese. And then we have, uh, we have other ancient wine grapes that now me and other producers are trying to, you know, regain and try to, to check if they are good for wines of modern times. Were the vineyards in your family or did you personally buy them? All, all the vineyards came from, all the vineyards came from my family properties, um, especially my grandfather and brother of my grandfather and my uncle. I, I can say that my uncle was one of the most important person in the history of our family because he started uh, in 1981 to replant some vineyards in our family fields and then buy other vineyards in some good places, some good cruises, the tradition ones here. And he was the he was the one who restart the ancient tradition of making wine in, in my family. So why was he so passionate about it? I mean, was he um, was it always a wine growing family, or was he a businessman and he was successful and he decided he wanted to enjoy wine and uh, these great varieties? My passion about wine grew up when I was at university because I started studying agriculture, agronomy in Parma University and then in Viterbo. About my family and my uncle, they were involved in wine, in wine as everyone here in Pico. There's a lot of parcels, so it's really hard to find great properties here. So everyone, every citizen here is involved in agriculture. And our passion started in a similar way as other people who are making wine now here in this town. And I can I can underline that my uncle was the one who started the new refreshing passion about making wine because he had another job and during the, the weekends he started as a kind of hobby of the weekend uh, but he was passionate about wines because he, he had a job who uh, brought him Every, everywhere in Italy. So he started checking the renewal of Tuscany during the 80s. Uh, and he, he, tried, he, tried to, he tried to bring in Piglio this new passion. But we have also to consider that there was a great transformation of this place when something happened in the, in the early 90s. Because I remember in that period there were only two social wineries here in Piglio, and probably two single two two producers, so only four wineries. In the early nineties, arrived here a man. Probably you know the man. His name is Andrea Franchetti, and he checked 
in some of our old vineyards and the old vineyards of another winery uh, that is located in Anagni, which is one of the towns of the Appalachian, he selected the best grapes of Cesanese da Filo, which is wine grape we cultivate from the ancient times. And he planted it in Tenuta di Trinoro in 1995, three hectares at 10,000 plants per hectare. And he sold this beautiful wine for three vintages, 1997, 1999 and 2001. It was called Cincinnato. It was 100% of Cesanese da File made in Tuscany. Then he, he, he decided to cut the vineyards, but those wines arrived on the market at 90 euros. And it was a period when the four wineries sold wines at three years or two years per bottle. And everything changed from that period. The, the, then there was a second revolution about the, 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 the late 90s when uh, the organic movement arrived here and there was a second revolution about the way to read the wine grapes we work with. So, um, yeah, I mean, Lazio, because it's uh, the capital city, Rome, is in, is in your region, it is often seen as a, an area of bulk wine, of huge production, not much quality. You don't have to try too hard because we know we'll sell all of the wine cheaply to tourists, etc. Has that, has that mentality changed? Unless I, I think that this mentality changed in the last seven, eight years. And I have to consider that there's still a lot of wine which is sold as Buke wine all around the world. Uh, consider the, the, the name of Frascati is similar to the Orvieto name or the Verdicchio name in the past times all around the world. But the, 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 the movement, I think that the movement, the movement of the artisans and the, and the, the organic winery changed this, the way to look at uh, the wines from Lazio. is what I see when I, when I work with my importers all around the world. They have no problem when I, I tell them the prices of our, of our wine. So everyone in Rome, in Lazio, in Italy and all around the world is waiting for the real artisan way from this place. So step by step in the last eight years changed this way to look at the wines from Lazio. First in Rome with a, a lot of beautiful restaurants and wine shops. And now they look at the region as a region not only a region of great producers, great artisan producers, but also a region which is trying to rediscover an ancient tradition of uh, wine grapes. Consider that Lazio, I'm not sure, but probably Lazio owns 150 original wine grapes, and almost 70% of them are still not discovered in, sense that, in the sense that they, they are still not fermented in the right way. You, you can't find bottles of, uh, of those wine grapes. But I, from, the, from the information I have from the, the other places in Lazio, from Bolsena, from south of, south of Lazio, from Prascati, I, I see that a lot of producers are trying to recover this ancient tradition of all those wine grapes. I mean, are, are these, is this idea of resurrecting or bringing back to life these uh, great varieties, are there groups of people like you, um, or is it just you and a couple of other people thinking about um, trying to promote this? Is there like an organized movement? It's not official. It's not an official movement, but everyone knows each other. And a lot of, a lot of us work together to promote our wines. 
So as, as an example, if I have an importer in UK and another importer call me, it's uh, normal that I call my friends and try to check if this importer is good for you and you is good for this importer. Uh, so it's a kind of subterranean movement with no official uh, institution. I mean, you you sort of partly associated with natural wine as well. Does that go hand in hand, the idea of preserving tradition, preserving local grape varieties, and also making the wine and looking after the land in the best way possible? It seems to be like a whole, a whole sort of movement, right? Yeah, it's also because... Uh, as I said before, when when the, the the organic movement in the early and then in the late nineties arrived here, um, everyone was so personal in checking what could what what could be the best uh, the best way to make natural agriculture here. So, for example, here for example here in Pio, there are a lot of winery in biodynamic, uh, a lot of winery in uh, Fukuoka method agriculture and other winery, other wineries in uh, in agro homeopathy agriculture. So the, the the thing that is beautiful about this movement is that everyone try to uh, to 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 give an to to give us personal this personal way to apply a kind of natural agri- agriculture's protocol to his vineyard, and this is beautiful from my point of view. That, that, that you, 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 you will not find only one point of view, but a lot of people will try to talk each other and try to try to, to check the differences between each other. So it's good that there's some sort of organization as well. I mean, do you have, do you have any annual, um, obviously probably difficult with COVID, but um, do you have like an annual tasting or an event that journalists and members of the public can come and maybe buy a ticket and taste some wines. Do you do, you do that? Me uh, as Apianova, I I do that all the online now. And about the the movement, we didn't have a lot of chance to do that in the past. So we need to to organize more to promote our wine together. And this is what is what we we are we are talking about for the future but is this really is this about lazio in general or just uh pilio and the area around pilio pilio area but also other but also lazio area with other producers and into umbria as well or are they are they a little bit separate yeah okay so it's just uh just you guys and what other native grape varieties maybe outside of your zone if if um if i come down to lazio to visit you and we can't try your wines, but you can only serve me wines from the rest of Lazio or Latium. Which, um, what are your favorite varieties or wine styles that you would try and show me that you like? About my winery or in general in Lazio? No, in general, in Lazio, in generale. I think that um, the, if we're talking about Lazio, the, 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 the Bolsena area is really good. So the Aleatico and the interpretation of the of the Aleatico and that volcanic sandy soil is really beautiful by a lot of producers, just like Le Coste or Joy Culo or Andrea Occhipinti. Then if you move to if you move to the Castelli Romani, so the Frascati area, now there are two or three wines that are really, really good. The first that I have in mind is Sassopra or Cantina Ribera. And then you have to move move south to Piglio. Names that I could tell you about the varieties is uh, in general here Cesanese with 
names just like Maria Berucci or Mario Maciocca or uh, La Viscola. Uh, I, I probably am for, uh, forgetting a lot, some of them, but try to, to, to remember the, the, the first one that I had in mind. Or uh, the, first, the first one who in the, the early the, the, the early 90s uh, uh, tried to uh, replace here the, the, this artisanal tradition of the Franchetti method, which was, uh, which is uh, Antonello Coletti Conti. Or then you, you get south. I'm thinking about the, the, the south original wine grapes, just like Lecinaro, Pampanaro, Maturano, Capolongo, and what I have in my mind is two beautiful wineries. Their name is DSBO and Palazzo Tronconi, for example. Checking in my mind, this is what I what I can tell you as the the, the best example of what I mean. Okay, let's go back to uh, to Pilio. Tell us about the wines that you that you make. Uh, the the wine we make it's it's really hard to describe in few words, but uh, we, we have this family tradition of my uncle tradition of cultivating vineyards in parcels, in small parcels all around the, the, the town. We need to ferment each parcel so separated from the other, as in Burgundy tradition or in other places where the crews are a tradition. And this is my first aim. So I also built my winery trying to spare every vet and Every single material of vats that I have, from jar to salmon to, to, to steel, to give to the wine of a parcel the soul of the wine grape. Now I have about 15 parcels, so 15 different crews, not only covered by vineyards. Five are covered by vineyards, so are my five crews. And then the other, the other parcels are used for olive oil and other culture that I use to cultivate just to, you know, regain the energy also in the vineyard. So I used to plant, I used to, to do a lot of horticulture in the other places. I used to plant clover or broad bean in the vineyards and in the, in the olive oil fields just to create an energy balance all around those terrestrial island I have. Uh, it's called cover cropping, if anybody hasn't understood. It's, uh, you're, you're doing a soveshi, justo? I, it depends. It depends. It depends. It depends. The green manure, I do green manure only in the first year when I, when I plant a vineyard. So I mean the green manure when you also break the soil. I used to do... After the balance in the vineyard is created, is created, I used to do only mowing, so only mowing cover crop by 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 clover or by broad bean or by mustard. It depends. Each year depends on the climate changes. So when I when I plant a vineyard, I used to do a sovesho. Uh, so I used to do green manure. But when the vineyard is balanced, I try to live, as Fukuoka said, I try to live in a free way, also in, in a pruning way, because I used to do a kind of soft pruning, uh, try to let free all the, all the wild plants, the wild, the wild herbs and the vineyards. But you mentioned mustard, which is a good uh, disinfectant. What was the other, the other two that you mentioned for your cover crops? The clover, the trifoglio, the clover, and, uh, and the broad bean. The broad the fava. Also for nitrogen as well. 
and the clover is also for beneficial insects because it flowers as well. So sorry about that. I just had to I just had to make everybody clear what we're what we're talking about. So you're I mean you're quite an interesting guy because you're you know you're you make natural wine, you use organic techniques, you think in a kind of a biodynamic way, and you are also collegiate, meaning that you don't want to be acting on your own. You want to have a group to mobilize other people to um to change their maybe change their farming or improve their farming so that you can preserve both the environment and also your local grape varieties. Is that is that correct? About us, the, the thing is that we, me and my cousin used to used to create an intersection between uh, the biodynamic and the Fukuoka method and also the homeopathy. Uh, then if you mean also that the, there is a, the, thing, the things that we, we, we talked about before, the movement, I saw that also a lot of people who only own vineyards and sell grape to the social winery had changed in the last year their way to approach to the vineyard with a natural approach. First, starting with a bio, simple biological approach. We, we, also, we also tried to create, you know, about six years ago, a biodistrict, just like the one in Panzano in Chianti, because we all have a collaboration with Ruggero Mazzilli, uh, which is a teacher about the nature, as, as we said in Italian, as he said, uh, the agricultura naturabile. Uh, it means not natural agriculture, but an agriculture which tries to go to the nature. And we, we created a biodistrict, and this is the, the, the probably the reason why other people here move to a bio approach, even if. They are not winemaker. About our approach, we, we tried to research. We, we, we tried to research for a lot of years. We read and we, we made a lot of courses about biodynamic. We read a lot about Rudolf Steiner because we wanted to go deep into his philosophy. Uh, so not only reading uh, the, his impulse for agriculture, his conferences in Kobelwitz in 1924, uh, all his books about philosophy, about anthroposophy, but also we wanted to link it with the seeds that we saw in the, the natural movement by Fukuoka. So the way to get the domestic plants lead together with the wild plants. And this is probably this intersection that is, is uh, it's our uh, uh, actual research. And the aim is to transfer this natural research to a natural approach in fermenting wine. So the best way the vine is living into an ecological ambient is the best way also to transfer all this language into the into the wine you 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 make uh, if you if you do that in a natural approach also in a cellar listen to the italian wine podcast wherever you get your podcasts we're on soundcloud apple podcasts himalaya fm and more don't forget to subscribe and rate the show If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.